0: Andrew, welcome along to the gardening programme for this Saturday morning, Pori, Good morning good to morning, you.
1: Good morning, Good morning, listeners.
0: You have arrived in studio with a uh, host of colourful plants. Colour,
1: scent. We're uh, looking at
0: June colour. We
1: are, because, uh, and I suppose listening to your weather forecast, probably today is the day to start planting is, the colour yeah, because the rain... It's not
0: great, that weather forecast. The
1: rain is coming tomorrow. Well, I, I, looking at the long-range forecast from Tuesday onwards for, of next week, the temperatures are getting warmer and it is going to be a lot sunnier, so I think we have to persevere with them um, Sunday and Monday being wet. Um, And today probably been a good day to get out and and do those garden, the gardening jobs that need to be done. It's actually a good day as well for if you want to feed plants because the rain is coming tomorrow and Monday. So it would actually be an ideal time if you want to give your hedges or shrubs or roses or whatever, a boost of fertilizer Mm -hmm. or your lawn. If you want to green it up, put on the the, um, fertilizer, the granulated fertilizer. I actually put some on yesterday myself on the lawns um, with, with the rain coming. So it would be a good time of year Today, today. Or in particular with the rain coming tomorrow and Monday. And we're expecting warmer temperatures then for next week because growth has been quite slow. But one of the most popular questions <clears throat> we always get asked on the show particularly at this time of year is colour for summer and particularly people having maybe weddings coming up or family occasions um, and they want the garden looking prim and proper, mm. proper and beautiful colour. And I just ran around the garden centre this morning and picked out some plants that are just on the point of showing colour but that will last right through until the end of the summer.
0: Which is what we really want.
1: It is. And there's a lovely collection of dahlias at the moment. Dahlias of course are just have just come into flower now in early June. These are single single flowering varieties which tend to be uh, more colorful in that they produce a lot more flowering buds than the big double uh, dahlia so these are single flowering varieties and there's loads of different varieties in the range and they come in different heights as well so this one is roughly about a foot in height beautiful pink flowers mm. with the yellow stamens inside and you can see there's absolutely hundreds of of flowers coming on this one. So this is one called Happy Days. Uh, but there's a whole <laughs> load of different different varieties and, and different colours. So lots of them have this lovely bronze foliage, which is attractive in its own right, but then beautiful pink flowers. And you can see there's literally loads and loads of buds loads, coming in yes. those. The single flowering dahlias are also great for bringing the bees and the and the butterflies and uh, beneficial insects into your garden so if you are if you want to kind of um, i suppose keep that theme of biodiversity and particularly the honeybees then the single flowering dailies are brilliant because they're actually full of pollen look at the amount of you can of, see that yeah. really
0: there with that so just to describe to listeners we have kind of a i suppose a, a pinky movie shade of um petal and but there's a huge center and it's a big yellow center and you can just see how completely the bees are going to be attracted, attracted to that. that so
1: great for butterflies and bees the single flowering dailies. and again they're going to flower dear to right up until november october november they just keep fantastic. on giving so they're fantastic and their tubers So you can take them in for the winter or you could take the chance and just leave them out for the winter if you want and you may overwinter them.
0: And what's particularly interesting about that, you know, is, I suppose, the common garden dahlias, if there's such a thing, uh, it tends to be a sort of a slightly lighter colour green. That's quite a deep green foliage. It's a uh, bronze, yeah, Yeah, bronze foliage
1: variety and many of the single flowering varieties, both the whites, the deep pinks and the reds, have this lovely bronze Mm. foliage. So even without the flowers, they actually look quite attractive. Um, So it's quite a nice plant. They're good for planting now for long-term colour. I brought you in two hydrangea varieties as well. Now, we mentioned this one last week. Runaway Bride. Yeah, that was one that was at Bloom. It featured at Bloom. It's a new variety for this year. And it's interesting in that it is just coming into flower at the moment. It's white and it changes to a, a slight Blush pink, um, and called Runaway Bride. It's a lovely variety which is going to flower this year if you plant it in your garden, and flowers every year after that. So it's a very reliable um, hydrangea. It comes, it literally flowers in its first year. Lovely in pots and containers, and again it'll flower the whole summer long. It doesn't grow too tall, about um, 18 in inches, two yep. feet, maybe two and a half feet eventually, and uh, so nice in a shrub border or a bed, but also great in a pot. So it's one called Runaway Bride, and it will flower in its first year which is unusual for hydrangeas. It's a single flowering variety, but lots of flowers on it. And the other one I brought in is one called Purple Dance, which again has this lovely purple flower, it's purple foliage. It's deep purple dance, <laughs> I noticed. It's a deep purple dance, yeah. <laughs> so it, it actually changes colour.
0: So uh, very good. It,
1: so it, the, the colour gets richer as, as the flower matures. And again, it's a lovely variety. It's like the old mop head, you know if you want the big blousy flowers well then um, deep purple dances are really good but hydrangeas in general this is a great time of year for planting them in the garden you'll get them in your local garden centre actually in flower just starting to flower and they go through right through to the end of the summer I also brought you some of the pinks the dianthus Yeah. and this is a lovely variety called Megan so it only grows 6 to 8 inches in height but there's absolutely tons and tons of flowers on it it's a lovely lovely plant again lovely in pots and containers but again the dianthus are great because they give so much colour. If you've got a sunny border, sunny bed a sunny area that you just want to brighten it up. And they're short in stature they only grow about 6 or 8 inches high but the plant is roughly about a foot, na- about a foot I suppose in diameter yes. at the moment. And it'll grow to about a foot and a half in diameter and it'll still stay very compact. Okay. Good plant for coastal areas, windy areas they tolerate the wind and the sea air quite well, the Dianthus family. Another lovely plant that's just coming into flower are the Gazinias. And gazinias have really large, uh, nearly sunflower-like flowers, but they're short in stature. They Mm. only grow, again, six to eight inches. Big, Huge, big flowers. They're coming into flower now and again, they gain the flower right through to the end of the summer. But it's a variety I often recommend, particularly for exposed areas and often for graves. People ask me, what can I put in a grave? Know, it's going yeah. to be hard and easy just to grow. It's that time of
0: year when I suppose that there's cemetery Sundays and things like that on. So. Yeah, but just if you want to add
1: a little bit of colour, then the gazinnias are great because they need very little care they actually thrive on a little bit of neglect and dry conditions. So if you're not there to tend it and water it, that's perfectly mm. OK. And the plant stays quite short, very colourful and it's reliable. It'll, it'll flower for quite a long period and many of the varieties will come back next year again. So is well worth planting. Um, Dianthus, the Dahlia's, look at this, loads of colour. Lavender is just on the point of flowering at the moment. Fuchsias are beautiful at the moment. There's a load Starling. of different varieties yeah. like Mrs. Popple and Jeannie just coming into flower at the moment. The other plant I had to bring in was this Greek basil and, mm. and as soon as I brought it in you got the scent of it.
0: I did, absolutely. And it is really uh, quite a pa- powerful, not overpowering but really it bro- you have no doubt at all that There's it's There's a fantastic
1: se- flavour of it and a fla- fantastic scent of it. The reason I like it in particular, it's the easiest variety of basil to grow. People often buy basil and it it falls over after so a day So that's kind of more
0: the Italian basil. So this is Greek basil. It's
1: a Greek basil. It's a small-leafed basil. It looks like a boxwood for all the world. Really small leaves It's a very pretty,
0: it, pretty little plant, isn't it? actually, yes.
1: And very, very compact. And it's one that you can grow out of doors. So I generally plant it up in a terracotta pot, leave it outside the patio door. It makes a small mound. You cut it with a scissors. So you cut it maybe every week or every Mm. 10 days and use the fresh uh, leaves from the plant. But as you're dead right, even if you never used it for the the basil leaves, it makes a very attractive plant in a pot or container. But the scent is fantastic. Now you can grow it inside as well, Mm. but it is a variety of basil. I showed it at Bloom uh, when I was uh, doing the talks and people, I got a great response to it. Um, I showed the, the, um, the audience in a big pot. You know that, that, that I'd grown from last year and how it had spread out in the large pot. So it's a variety called Basil Aristotle. Look for it in your local garden centre. It's available now for planting and again you, it'll give you fresh basil right through till September, October of this year. Dies at the end of the year but yeah. comes... It does
0: it come back again then uh, the It's single...
1: Well if you brought it inside yes, I mean if you kept it inside mm. yes you keep it from year to year because the trimming back keeps it young and keeps the foliage and it keeps the plant producing new growth all the time. Okay. So look for that. It's basil Aristotle. It's the easiest variety of basil to grow. It will grow out of doors, perfect in a pot, container, window box, whatever. You know, it, it's, it's super simple to grow. The, um, the, the w- other thing just to mention are the wild flowers. And it was interesting, I was looking on social media during the mm-hmm. week, and there is a, a little borough or town, I suppose, a borough, I think they call it in the UK, called Rotterdam. Rotherham, Rotherham, Rotherham,
0: Rotherham. <laughs> Rotherham. So I, did see, I did see the photographs on social media, all right, and it's stunning. Isn't it absolutely mm. stunning? So, so, so what has happened in so Rotherham? So what,
1: the, what they've done there, the borough of the, the local county council, rather than cutting the, the edges of the road in the traditional way and just trimming the, the grass, they've decided to sow a whole series of wildflower seed. They've actually covered eight miles of road verges Um, and it's absolutely stunning at the moment so it's in full flower at the moment with things like poppies and cornflowers and Mm. all the the um, typical single flowering wildflower meadows and of course they self-seed and come back next year again and I thought it was a brilliant way of of adding colour to the to the road verges but also it has made the road verges maintenance-free and they've actually saved Twenty-five million. <laughs>
0: that's quite an incentive in, in
1: the cost of cutting the grass. So you can take, you know, and that's
0: just for that area. Just
1: for that area. So it's it's a it's a, a borough. I suppose it's about the size of Galway. Yes, it's, you know, yeah, the, I
0: think it's quite a sizable place. It now. is, yeah. yeah,
1: it is. But eight million they've saved in the um, in the cutting of grass, but they've created a beautiful. If you if people want to google it or look mm. on facebook there are actually pictures um, of the burrow and, and the beautiful planting and and of course the whole biodiversity and and bring in the bees and the pollinators so it's a, it's a i thought a lovely idea but this is the time of year for sowing wildflower seed in particular for people who want to create a little patch themselves mm. in the garden you simply rake the soil you put a little bit of lime onto the soil that brings down the fer- fertility in the soil which wildflower Uh, absolutely love and it helps to keep the grass species um, reduced and you simply sow the seeds they'll germinate in a three to four week period they'll grow some will flower this summer but more will come back into flower then next kind of uh, June, July of next year. So really you sow now, really for next year, more so than, than than this year. But some of the wildflowers will bloom this year. So it's that time of year for sowing wildflower seed in the garden. And if you want particular, if you love the red poppies or phacelias, a particular flower, you can get those in single packets as well. And you can add it to the mix for an extra bit of colour. The other thing we were asked last week on the show was about blight. I was recommending that listeners spray their potatoes mm-hmm. and um, tomatoes in particular because of the wet weather this week. We're in that kind of blighty sort of weather, uh, particularly next week if we start getting some humid
0: temperatures. Uh, temperature. yeah.
1: So we were asked about the um, the old bluestone and what yes. the mix was. So. Bluestone is mixed with washing soda um, to create what they call a Bordeaux mixture. So this spray originally started in France. On the grape vines so they use it to keep mildew off the grapes so they simply they used to mix the oh that's why the, it's
0: called bordeaux that's
1: why it's called bordeaux so it's a it's a copper sulfur mixed with washing soda and if you're if you're if you want to make it up you use 50 grams of the copper sulfate or the bluestone to 60 grams of washing soda and that makes up five liters exactly a gallon of spray Okay. So uh, so 50 grams, so it's quite a small amount of, of the copper sulfate mixed with washing soda, 60 grams of washing soda, and that makes up one litre, or five litres, I should say, of spray, and you spray it onto the foliage. Okay. Now, it is what we call a contact spray, so it doesn't protect new growth. So as the potatoes are growing, that new growth is not protected, so you do need to use it on a regular basis, generally at this time of year, every 10 days, 10 to 14 days um, particularly if blight is is, um, Is, an issue. Now there are plenty of other blight sprays as well available but do keep in mind when we get wet humid weather, blight will be knocking around, so so um, certainly treat your plants. The other thing just to mention are roses. We're into the time of year, again, for looking after the roses. Quite a lot of mm. aphids around. And I
0: know we've had a number of questions about these over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so really the, the key thing at the moment, many roses are have started to, to flower. The key thing really, I suppose every fortnight, is to deadhead the roses, take off any old flowers, just as they're beginning to fade. Don't wait for them to fall, collapse completely. Go out every two weeks, take off any flowers that are just going over. Feed them, of course, every two weeks as well. So put on a handful of rose fertilizer every two weeks and put on the Rose Rescue or the Rose Clear as well. And it's a good idea to alternate them, the Rose Rescue and Rose Clear, not to be using the same spray all the time because the aphids and disease can become... Resistant to and them.
0: What is the difference between the two?
1: They've got two different they're both they're both so rose clear and rose rescue. They're designed to kill any aphids, any bugs, green fly, black fly or white fly, but also to protect against diseases. So it's got a fungicide and an insecticide mixed together. But the mixture, the cocktail, is different in both. They're using two different types of insecticide and two different types of a fungicide. So therefore, it's like taking an antibiotic, you're, right. you're rather than using the same thing all the time, if you change it up.
0: Mixing uh, it up. Yeah.
1: So, that's, so just um, use something different. The other thing to, to use is the garlic wonder, which is brilliant on getting that lovely sheen on roses. If you want them really healthy and, yes. and the foliage really healthy and the plant itself healthy, the garlic wonder works really well. Um, so they're the kind of key things that people should be so adding a bit of colour for the summer planting the wildflower seeds I did mention last week that this is the time of year also to be sowing the seeds of vegetables and I actually sowed some on uh, 10 days ago myself and they're up already so we're getting that quite rapid germination at the moment. So if you are sowing the seeds of cabbages or cauliflowers or whatever, any sort of um, autumn, particularly kale, uh, the broccolis can be s- stone, sown at this time of year, um, carrots, all of those can still be sown. The germination rate is actually quite fast at the moment. So continue to sow the seeds of herbs and vegetables and, and indeed continue to plant them as well.
0: Okay, yeah, and you'll reap what you sow. Then you do indeed. Yeah, it's not too late. Months. And
1: and many of the perennial flowering plants like lupins and delphiniums, we sow those at this time of year as well to flower next year.
0: Just want to recap there on uh, the plants we were talking about for graves, Borik.
1: So you, the the one I re- the one I, re- I recommended was the gazinia. So it has flowers very similar in their single blooms, very very colourful. Um, I suppose I describe them like a sunflower and they are kind of similar to that, probably a little bit more Mm colourful. The plant itself is quite short. And uh, what I like about it is that it needs very little maintenance. So it tends to tolerate kind of, um, you know, drying conditions. So Gazinia, G-A-Z-A-N-I-A. So an easy plant to grow and uh, a good time to plant and they're just in flower at the moment.
0: Excellent. Okay. Now, uh, questions. How do we stop millipedes getting into the house?
1: Good old millipede. Huh? With the, so the millipede I always feel sorry for them because yeah, people really always, hate them. Yeah, What people do, like, and they tend to get, a, I suppose some houses get an infestation of if them.
0: it was in my own house I'd probably be the same. It
1: would probably be the same, exactly. Now they don't do any harm and I say that every year and stress that every year. Um, but to, to treat them you can use ant powder, so something like the Nippon ant powder, you'll get it in your local garden centre. Um, you simply sprinkle it on the pathways or the 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 driveway and they'll pick it up on their bodies but you know they tend to be a temporary thing and we see them maybe for a couple of weeks and then they're gone so you know
0: So we'll give you the information and we'll let you make make your your own minds But they don't
1: actually do any harm to to plants they feed on decaying matter they're a bit like wood lice and um, so Okay
0: yeah. we'll leave it there is there such a thing as organic slug pellets suitable for my vegetables oh there are
1: yeah yeah there, there's, um, there's a couple of varieties there's one called Erasa, which uh, looks like the standard slug pellet but it has rather than methyl hydrate the poison it has actually iron and, f- and uh, potassium in it and that kills the slug off so look for that one Erasa or Neerdorf do one as well um, they're both very effective and uh, very safe for children pets birds so on, you know, so that it's a very safe one. So a razor or the neared off organic pellet will actually have the organic symbol on the pack.
0: Now, is there such a thing, uh, sorry, is why are the leaves at the top of my two-year-old apple tree so dry? They're looking dead.
1: Okay, well, lots of, lots of leaves are actually uh, lots of plants, not just apple trees, but laurel, uh, forest flame, hydrangeas, have all burnt leaves on the tips of them this mm. year and that was just down to the the frost we had nearly a month ago now and also the very cold winds we've been having. So the young leaves, as they start to grow out, come out, are very tender and very soft. And if you get any cold temperatures or any frost, you get the browning on um, on particularly apple trees this year. Beech, beech hedging, mm. the tops of them are all uh, burnt as well. Um, so it's just down to the cold weather. A little bit of feeding will actually correct that. And as I said, with the rain coming tomorrow, put on the feed now, but on a granulated feed, something like the Osmo Pro 6, and within a week or 10 days, it'll green up again. So a small bit of damage is, is no harm to the apple tree.
0: Now, I have purchased a medium-sized veggie pod unit and okay. wonder which compost is best to use in it, an organic or the multi-purpose. Also, how much do I need?
1: For a medium-sized, you need, for the veggie pod, you need 225 litres of compost, which is roughly... Um, is roughly about four medium bags of of compost uh, to fill it. Now, when you're filling your veggie pod, you need to put perlite or vermiculite into the bottom tray just above the reservoir. So get yourself a small bag of perlite, put that in first and then fill it with the compost. And I generally mix a bit of perlite through the compost as well. The compost to use, if you want to grow your plants organically, Bordnemona do a brilliant compost called Organic Vegetable Compost. So it's 100% organic, um, it's peat-free actually, and um, it's ideal for all vegetable plants. So that's probably the best one to use if you want to grow organically. Alternatively, if you can't get that, use a multi-purpose compost. It would maybe one with John Ennis mixed through it and again add a little bit of perlite through it. So you're going to need 225 litres of compost and maybe one or two bags of perlite and just mix the whole thing up and... Fill up your veggie pod and get planting. And get planting. And remember, you can sow seeds in the veggie pod at mm-hmm. this time of year and plants and probably a mixture of both would be a good idea. Add a few herbs as well, maybe at this time of year.
0: And I suppose just moving out of the summertime and into, cold, you know, colder temperatures in the latter end of the year with the veggie pod, uh, does the fact that it has the cover, does that extend longevity? Yeah.
1: You can you can grow in the veggie pod, you can grow 12 months of the year, it actually comes with a with the micro mesh to keep the bugs out, but it also comes with a winter cover. So you slip that on in November, uh, right. and it creates like a small cloche, and then you leave that on until February, so you can continue to grow the whole winter long. And because it's raised up off the ground, it's not going to suffer from any ground frost.
0: So uh, it's actually and it won't get waterlogged.
1: It won't get waterlogged. So it's actually it's about waist high and it's got the cover on it, so that increases the temperature, keeps it up from the frost, so you literally grow um, all year round. At the moment, the stuff is actually nearly growing too fast in them. You nearly want to be harvesting them every every two or three days, twice weekly, certainly, at the moment, because the, the plants are growing so fast within the veggie pods. So they're amazing how, how quickly they they increase plant growth by up to fifty percent. That's what they kind of they the, the, they say, and okay. and it's actually true. I've I've um, I'm amazed myself how quickly plants are growing in them. Um, near to the extent you need to be using cropping it,
0: cropping it twice
1: as, a week or maybe even three times a week, um, and and the seeds germinate very fast in it as well. But them. yeah, you can use it all winter long. You know, all the, the winter salad crops, the short carrots like Eskimo, you could grow in it, spinach, or Swiss chard all that sort of thing. Okay,
0: excellent. Question of so luck with that person go. with their veggie pod. Now, somebody's wondering about cats hoking at the clay. What a great word that is. Hoking. hoking at the clay in my flower beds. How do I stop them or <laughs> is it possible? I'm not so sure.
1: Well, you can, You can. there are uh, proprietary um, things like scent-off, they're scented pellets that you can put onto the ground, the smell of which cats dislike. They say water bottles filled with water, you know, the ordinary plastic yes, bottles. Yes, like I You
0: see those all yeah, right. Yeah,
1: and, that, and they, they seem to work for some people to keep in cats and dogs off the area I suppose the idea is to break the habit of the cat actually
0: using picking up that the soil yeah.
1: and, and that, that helps to do it as well but the scent off pellets generally work you have to repeat them and break that cycle
0: now, we did talk about the bluestone and the blight. Is there anything else? we? we, we I just see there's one or two blight-type questions across in terms of what to use. Yeah, the thing to be
1: mindful is that we're, we are slipping into that time of year. Once we come into June, July, August, we're into that blight season, particularly when we get mild, humid, wet weather. And, you know, prevention is better than curing the problem. So there are proprietary blight sprays, um, you know, that you can get bare to one as well, which is very good. Um, that can be applied now. So I would be advising people, particularly with the wet weather, give one or two applications just to get the potatoes disease-free.
0: Now, somebody who had no difficulty with blight, they've just finished lifting their Sharps Express new potatoes in the tunnel oh, and they want to replant more vegetables to fill the gap. What seeds can they plant now for vegetable later this autumn or winter?
1: Well, again, like like I mentioned earlier, there's a, there's a whole range of, of different seeds you can sow now. So, you know, in the herb family, things like chives and oregano, the parsleys, thyme could be sown from seed or indeed from plants at this time of year. Kowrabi, the, the one that grows mm. similar to a turnip, that's really good. Beetroot can be sown from seed. Radishes, lettuce, pak choi, the, the Chinese lettuce or Chinese cabbage is very good as well. Kale for winter use could be sown at this time of year. Sutton's do a very good range called the speedy veg. So if you want something fast, then they have a range of maybe five or six different collections that you sow into the, directly into the soil and they're ready to harvest within four weeks. So they're ready to crop four weeks after sowing. So they would be quite good as well. But the Eskimo Carrot, Carrot Eskimo is an autumn winter variety. So Mm -hmm. you sow the seed now and it's ready to harvest any time from September onwards. Salad Onions, white Lisbon. So there's lots. And again, if you pop into your local garden centre, they'll still have plants available. Things like lettuces and greyhound cabbage or Swiss chard would be ready to plant now as plants. So maybe do a little bit of both. Plant some plants, sow some seed at this time of year. There's plenty of time. You can sow the seeds of many vegetables right up to the end of July.
0: Somebody's wondering (coughs) when is the best time to trim back a camellia? It's growing in a pot.
1: Well, ideally it should be pruned after flowering, which was kind of four weeks ago. Um, now, having said that, you could still prune it at this time of year if you want to give it a little bit of shape. Mm. The main thing with the camellias is to be re- feeding them regularly now with an ericaceous feed, building them up for next year. They're going to produce their flower buds in September or early October of this year. So how well they're growing and how well they're fed at this time of year we'll, will dictate the amount of flowers it's going to have year. next spring. Remember in a pot, the camellias disliked, Drying out—they're a woodland plant. They need their their roots in in really moist soil. So just be careful it doesn't dry out over the summer. They can often be forgotten about because they're not flowering. Yes, yeah, so they kind of you take your eye off them, and they dry out very quickly, particularly in pots. So regular feeding every two weeks with the ericaceous feed, and just make sure not not to have them uh, excessively wet, but certainly you want to be watering them maybe once a week or once every ten days at this time of year. So it's all about building them up. For, to produce the flowers in the autumn for next spring.
0: Fantastic. Now, what might be eating the tops of turnips and broccoli? They're only a few inches high. What can we do?
1: That's flea beetle, which is a small beetle. It's a shiny beetle that attacks turnips in particular. It actually attacks a lot of weeds as well. <laughs> and, you know, so it's very effective at controlling weeds like red shank and, and so on. So you'll see these small little pin-like holes in the turnip leaves. Um, they generally predate at night time. They're a shiny beetle. Again, you can use something like um bug clear to eradicate that so one application of bug clear would stop them because they're very destructive particularly at seedling stage yeah. and a flea beetle does a lot of damage on the seedlings the termus just won't physically grow so now is a good time to, to treat them later on in the summer if you get a bit of damage you don't need to worry about them but a seedling at a seedling stage I would definitely treat them so put a little bit of bug clear on them there's one specifically for fruit and veg and it's safe to use okay um I have the
0: lovely lemon- scented geranium oh, lovely, yeah. growing well in my glass porch it's approximately two feet tall and in flower. Great. My daughter wants a slip of this plant to grow for her own, uh, on her own. Will it root from a slip and how do I do this?
1: Yes, it will. And and you can take cuttings of any, ger- any of the geranium families from any time from now on. So what you do is you take, so lemon scented geranium the stems are thin enough, um, so you take them roughly about six or eight inches long, strip off the leaves, take any flowers or flower buds off the plant, dip it into a little bit of rooting powder, put it into a pot of compost and perlite mixed together, cover it with a polythene bag, sit it on your windowsill, and you've got yourself a new plant within three or four weeks it'll root. So this is the time of year. With geranium cuttings, a good tip is to take the cuttings, leave them for a couple of hours to, to, to dry slightly, so don't, don't insert them straight into the compost straight away. Leave them for maybe three or four hours. So maybe take the cuttings in the morning and then put them into the compost towards evening or the following morning with a little bit of rooting powder. And they root in three or four weeks' time. They're very, very easy to root. And it's actually a good time of year in general for taking the cuttings of plants like fuchsias, um, hebees, outdoor sh- shrubs can be propagated from cuttings at this time of year in June. Remember remember to cover them with the polythene bag. That helps to keep the the, the, um, the compost or the, the roots or the, mm. the actual cuttings moist and it stops the loss of water. So once you cover them with the polythene bag, there's no need to water them after that until they root, which will take generally about three to four weeks. Okay. Sit them in a bright windowsill or in your greenhouse or in your porch and um, you've got yourself some free plants in a month's time.
0: Excellent. Now, uh, our apple and pear, our our apple, pear, and plum trees were laden with tiny fruit last week, but since then the strong winds have stripped them almost completely. Ooh, ouch! Oh, is it possible for them to produce more fruit no. this year? <laughs> no, oh, that's awful,
1: isn't it? And look, there is a there is a natural drop. We call it the June drop, where where
0: apple trees, that's a but that's, than a, June that's drop. a bit
1: more. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, no, they they all flower in the spring obviously the 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 flowers are pollinated and the fruit forms from now on so yeah if if they're damaged they're going to remain damaged until the next spring again so there's nothing you can do, unfortunately, okay. to get them to bear fruit this bit of, year.
0: Bit of heartbreak there. Yeah. Um, can you ask, Borek, why all my garlic is going to seed? Little seed heads on the top, all the growth goes up into the seed heads. Um, and the same thing with the onions. Any suggestions? Well,
1: anything anything that runs to seed. Like, Remember the function of any plant is to, is to produce seed. And that be it garlic or onions or, or basil or whatever mm. plant. And if they come under any form of stress. So if they get too dry or too cold which is happening at the moment they the plant itself triggers its itself to stop growing and to start putting all that energy into producing seed heads and that's effectively what the onions and Are. the garlic they're reacting to the, the cold temperatures we're having at the moment and they're just running to produce seed and to try and reproduce again so mm. once you see that happening the listener's quite right all the energy will go into the flower heads so there's nothing really you can do with them once they run to seed you just harvest what you 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 can take and um you know, you could. It's still not too late to plant the seed of onion if you want to sow, particularly the scallions, the lighter the, uh, the shallot type onion. If you want to sow some seed now, but they're going once they go to seed themselves and start producing seed, you've kind of lost them for this year. Uh,
0: some photographs in. I always love to see people's photographs, uh, good and bad. So first of all, a success story. And Michelle is in Shepherd's Bush in London and has been in contact with the program. I think in the past, and you've given advice in relation to her hydrangea. And today, she has sent us. And a photograph and just wanted to say thank you for your help with my hydrangea. I have flowers for the first time. Ah, that's fantastic! Isn't that wonderful? That's brilliant, oh, and yeah. it's gorgeous. It's a lovely one. Uh, beautiful head on it all together. Um, uh, now my lily plant, which is not doing so well, from a listener, uh, they've sent in the photograph. We've had a look. Sewed so it last year, it's no higher than six inches. What do they do? It's a cala lily, I calla think. It's a lily,
1: is it? yeah. It's a calla lily. So look at all it needs is a good feed. So get yourself a little bit of the Osmo Pro 6, put a handful around the base, which, like I said at the start of the program, till day is the day to do that so put a handful maybe even two handfuls around the base of it and that will boost it on once the once it's washed washed in with the rain there's plenty of time for the callelis to flower even though you'll see them in lots of gardens Mm. in bloom at the moment yes but uh, there's plenty of time so that plant would have have been nurturing and a bit of feeding will come into flower probably in july
0: any particular feed
1: for it? Well, the Osmo Pro Pro's 6 is sorry. very good. Yeah, okay. put a handful of that. That's a good tree and shrub feed.
0: Two lupins quite large in an exposed area. Can I move them now to a more sheltered area?
1: Well, the ideal time to move them is, is autumn, early winter. Having said that, like I said last week about the hostas, herbaceous plants will move quite well uh, even at this time of year. So if they're... If they're relatively young plants, as in they've been planted, say, in the last two years or less, then I would certainly lift them to today and transplant them. If it's an older plant, maybe leave it till autumn. Um, generally, the moving of plants is done November through till March. But having said that, herbaceous plants, I often move them at this time of year myself, um, do move relatively well. So maybe tidy the, the loop and back, cut it back slightly, lift it and transplant it and, and do that all in the one day.
0: Okay, lovely. Um, now, somebody's wondering if you can get wildflowers for shady areas. You
1: can, yeah. There's actually um, mixes of, um, you can buy a, a, basically a, a shade-loving wildflower mix. So it'll contain things like um, yarrows and toad flax, um, things like larkspur do well in shade, foxgloves do well in shade, aquilegias do well in shade. So look for those sort of of seeds mixed into the um, into the wildflower mix. So generally, when you buy a packet of wildflower mix, it is a collection of maybe ten or twelve different varieties of seeds, and that you can buy them in different. So some for sunny areas, mm. some to give you a wild meadow effect, and there's a shade collection as well. So ask for that in the garden centre. It should say on the box anyway.
0: And somebody else is wondering, can we mention again the town in the UK where the wildflowers are growing? And that is Rotherham. There you go. Now, poppy seeds, uh, sown about five weeks ago, but there's no sign of them.
1: Yeah, poppies are slow. They're slow to germinate. So give them another week or 10 days. Um, again, if they were sown directly out of doors, remember the temperatures have been quite uh, quite uh, cold and, and poppies. Some some seeds germinate, like I said, with the vegetable seeds. They're mm. up in five to ten days. Others will take a little bit longer. So poppies are one of those that just take a little bit longer. So persevere with them. Uh,
0: now, I seem to have a lot of fruit on my blueberry bushes and Great. also my plum tree. And what should I feed them with? And also, how do I keep the birds away? Asks they,
1: they obviously didn't get the wind, so they're, they're, no, in, they're, a really they're in a sheltered spot. Well. Yeah. And most, most apples and most fruiting plants are fruiting quite well this year because we've had a, a relatively good spring when mm. the in flower the key thing to feed blueberries with is an ericaceous feed so similar to what we use on our camellias rhododendrons um, so look for that in your local garden centre blueberries are ericaceous plants so they like a lime free feed so get one of those and put it on Growsure do one uh, specifically um for ericaceous plants so okay. that's perfect for blueberries and with the plums you need a high potash fertilizer actually rose fertilizer is suitable for all fruiting plants be it apples pears plums at this time of year that'll build a bit of strength into them to keep the birds off them you need to net them so you can either put the okay. enviro mesh that mm-hmm. we talked about last week mm-hmm. to cover them or you can get an anti-bird netting you'll get that in your local garden center just drape it over the plants my advice with all the summer fruiting plants things like blackberries blueberries when they've produce a heavy crop, pick as much as you can, wash them and freeze them. So don't be just taking what you need, literally take as much as you can and freeze the fruit because the fruit once frozen stays as fresh as you picked it. So if you're using that fruit in December or January or February of next year Mm. out of the freezer, it's equally as good as the day you picked it. Mm. So you know take as much as possible don't be leaving it to the birds um, or maybe leave a small amount for the birds but take as much as you can and freeze it
0: Now I just wanted to know I had an empty corner along a wall which I got a white thorn hedge and is it okay and I got a white thorn hedge is it okay to plant it and what can I put on it?
1: Well, white thorn makes, first of all, it makes a fantastic head, a fabulous hedge. Generally, they're sown as bare root plants and, and generally the planting for white thorn is done any time from November again through to the end of, of March. Mm. If they're in pots, then the, you, can, you can plant them at this time of year, mm. no problem at all. And any, any plant in a pot can either be transplanted out of a pot or taken out of a pot and put into the ground. If the plants are bare rooted and they're um, healed in or they're in a piece of soil, don't lift them until the autumn until they go out of leaf. So it depends so if they're in pots, the listener can plant them at this time of year. Put down again some, um, the Osmo Pro 6 is ideal for actually if, if, when you're planting them. So put down a tree and shrub fertiliser when you're planting them. They're easy growing anyway. White thorn is simple enough to grow. It's not that hungry a plant. It doesn't, it a doesn't plant. need a whole lot. It doesn't need a whole lot, no. Make sure the ground is relatively weed-free before you start planting them and space the plants 18 inches apart. And it's a good idea to double plant them, stagger plant them and put in a double row of white thorn. You get a thicker, fuller, uh, denser hedge by doing it that way.
0: Now, I have a Lelandia hedge. It got burnt with frost. Which feed would be best to put on it?
1: Well, you just need to be careful not to be overfeeding yeah. Lelandia because they can they can be quite vigorous in their own right and it and it will grow out of that frost damage itself in the next couple of weeks. Um, if you do want to feed them, again, a tree and shrub feed at this time of year, but I wouldn't be overfeeding Lelandia. You want to, if anything, keep them Keep them, keep them on the hungry side and keep them, uh, you know, so yeah. they're not getting too too vigorous. But uh, you can give them a light dressing of a shrub fertiliser if you want at this time of year.
0: Now, somebody thinks they may have a beehive in their roof for attic and they're wondering what do they do?
1: Leave it alone as much as possible. Oh well <laughs> if it's causing
0: a, if it but if it's a bit ring your,
1: of a, ring your local beekeeper yeah. club, they might be able to help you. So Westport or, or Ballyhornis or they all or have wherever
0: you're loca- located, located. Wherever yeah, you're there's a beekeepers association, isn't there? There is Rhode indeed Ireland. there's
1: a national federation. People can go onto the website and they get all the local details. Mm. And and generally the beekeepers do favour if there's a swarm, they they like to come and collect the swarm. Um, but maybe you know, asking your local bee beekeepers club to see what they help you out.
0: Okay, I can appreciate it. It's nice to have them in one way, but perhaps not if they're causing true, a nuisance true, or if you have true. small people in the house and stuff yeah. like that. When is the right time to remove seed heads from flowers and reset them?
1: Well, it depends when they when they actually flower. So, um, you know, if it's something like lupins, they're in bloom at the moment, they'll be producing their seed now in the next three to four weeks. The right time to harvest those is around the middle of July. You simply cut the flower, hang it upside down. So, whatever the flower is, you literally cut the stem. Once it, it has gone out, a flower and once you can see the seed being produced put a paper bag brown paper bag or a polythene bag around the seed head and literally hang it upside down Mm -hmm. and the seed will fall into the actual bag and then you can sow the seed um, you can sow it this summer once it's collected and once it's dried you can start sowing lupin seed and delphinium seed and so on foxglove seed so all of the plants that are flowering at the moment will produce their seeds over the next three to four weeks and that's the time you harvest them and that's the time you sow them so it depends what, what particular plant um, you know if it's a spring flowering plant you'd have harvested them earlier if it's an autumn flowering plant you'd harvest them later
0: I have fab hosta in a pot but I notice small pinholes on the leaves please help
1: well again that could be back to our flea beetle which does create these small pinholes in hostas and, and and in turnips and in lots of other plants as well. Um so you know if it's if it's it probably doesn't need to be sprayed a small bit of pinhole damage on hostas won't do it any irreparable damage so it'll be perfectly fine. Slugs of course can be can be uh, destructive on um on hostels as well, they like to eat the leaves of them as well and, and we create larger holes in them. But mm-hmm. if they're pinhole, it sounds like flea, be- flea beetle. Again, if you need to get rid of it, bug clear will get rid of it. But to be honest, a small bit of damage does no no long-term damage to
0: hostas. Now, this is probably not an, a very environmental-friendly question, but it's bothering someone. How do you get rid of tall, wild grass growing outside the house on the roadside?
1: Well, there are plenty of proprietary path and, and driveway weed killers that you can get. You can also use, um, there's an Irish organic weed killer available yep. online if you want to get that one, which is organically based. Um, or, you know, you can use the the vinegar treatment but now it'll only burn the grass back to, to soil level it, it, it will regrow again um, but that can be done if you want a, an organic treatment as well but there's plenty of proprietary uh, path and uh, driveway weed killers that they're designed to kill the grass and also to prevent it from, from regrowing again
0: OK great um uh, now, last week, you talked about vinegar uh, killing weeds. I'm not sure, was it on the lawn
1: now? but No, no, don't use it on the lawn because vinegar vinegar is, is basically an acid and, yes. it, and, it, and it works like any acid. It burns plants back, but it only burns them to soil level. And that, that's the point I was making last week, that if you are using vinegar in water, um, it will burn plants back to soil level, but they'll regrow again. So if you use it on things like docks or dandelions or whatever, it will uh, just burn them to soil level, they'll regrow again. Don't use it on your lawn because it'll do the same thing to the grass uh, as well as the weeds. So it's, um, it's you'll see it on social media being promoted quite a lot, the vinegar and water, yeah. vinegar and, and, and washing up liquid and water mixed together. Um, but it's the acidity in the vinegar, vinegar. That's, that's actually burning the plants back.
0: Okay. Um, now, I have planted carrots every year for five years and they never grow.
1: Okay, right. (laughs) Well, don't stop. Don't stop. uh, Sometimes you can get them as actually plants in your local garden centre. We had them earlier in the year in April and May as as actual plants Mm. um, already pre-germinated for just planting directly out. Um, Carrots are are fussy in terms of temperature. So when the temperatures are cold, carrots won't germinate. Now, what I do to to help that is when you're making the furrow, the little um, area where you're sowing the seeds into, sow the seeds and then fill it with vermiculite or fill it with compost, ordinary potting compost and the carrots tend to germinate better in that mix rather than directly in the soil. But they are very sensitive to cold temperatures and the sort of temperatures we've been experiencing over the last couple of weeks have not been conducive to the seeds germinating. So my advice is wait till the temperatures warm up next week give it a go. Try the vermiculite though, sow the seeds in a small furrow and just fill that furrow with vermiculite once the seeds are sown and that'll make it easier for the carrots to germinate and
0: grow. Okay, as as we're talking with some photographs coming in on WhatsApp, and I know you just can't see them at this point. But um, somebody's wondering about what do we think of their rockery? Well, I think your rockery is fantastic. So uh, good on you there. And Jane has sent us in a whole series of photographs and I'm going to show you this after the programme, park, But just to uh, mention that she tells us uh, these are her beautiful shrubs and roses and I have to say they are stunning brought 26 years ago in Horkins and still 26 beautiful. 26 years yeah, ago. Still beautiful. <laughs> took advice from Porrick to cut roses back twice and just look at them now. Thank you for the advice. Wow, Jane, they are stunning. Brilliant. Do yeah, send them yeah, on to yeah, me, yeah. yeah. We have them here so we'll we'll, we'll get that sorted out. And uh, we've got an orchid there. 26 years ago, I'm that long at it. Yeah, an orchid looking a bit on the uh, poor side. Um, wondering if it will con if if, if if it can be saved or not. We'll look at that a photograph at that afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. No okay, problem. uh one or two more before we finish up. Um Sorry, now, can I cut back a gristle hedge now?
1: Yes, you can. And hedges in in general will benefit from a light trimming back. They haven't done a whole lot of growing uh, this year because, again, things have have been quite cool and cold. So, in the last uh, week or or maybe last 10 days, they've actually put on some significant growth. So, um, yeah, give it a light trimming back, certainly at this time of year. And, again, when you trim, you generally give it a feed as well just to green it up nicely. Okay. But a good time
0: to... Trim. To trim. Um, I have a hydrangea that flowered once. Some leaves have turned red and it has not flowered six to seven years. There's a lot of growth on the plant, it's now large.
1: Okay, well, look at the hydrangeas are only on the point of coming into flower. Those that you see in your local garden centre have been brought on, obviously, in the in the mm. tunnels in the nursery, so that that a little bit earlier. But most hydrangeas are just on the point of producing their flower buds. So leave it. It it, it hopefully will have settled down. A, a lot of hydrangeas are showing red leaves this year because of the, the the late frost we had and the cooler temperatures we've had this year. Hydrangeas don't like the cold, and um, so they are you know suffering a little bit this year particularly if they've been exposed to frost or cold okay. winds or cold weather um, so look a little bit of feed will certainly help it yeah. so um, again the Osmo Pro 6 or a rose fertiliser at this time of year but many hydrangeas are only on the point of flowering so don't judge them yet give them a little bit more time it should come into flower or if the listener again wants to send us in a picture of the hydrangea by Whatsapp
0: yeah, we might we'll have, have a look better, at it next week I'll be
1: able to get, get a more specific kind of a close up shot of some of the, the new shoots and we'll be able to see Let's is see. there any flower what been formed.
0: OK. And finally, when is the best time? Well, two cutting questions. Cutting's wondering about laurels and taking slips from roses.
1: Well this is, June is always a good time to take small cuttings of this year's wood. So we're looking at cuttings that are kind of six or eight inches in length. So you can actually do laurel at this time of year, you can do roses at this time of year, geraniums, fuchsias, all the plants I mentioned, hydrangeas indeed at this time of year. Do remember to put them into a mixture of the perlite and compost Mm 50-50 into a pot and cover with a polythene bag and keep in a bright sunny location and they'll root within three to four weeks time. time. I'm actually in the garden centre today from 12 through till 6. So, if people want to drop in, if they have any issues they want to bring, you know, any bits of plants they want to bring in for me to have a look Fantastic. at, or any photographs. I'll be in the Castlebar Centre from 12 o'clock. Okay,
0: excellent, Park. Thanks indeed for all of that information. Um, I know there's a number of questions we didn't quite get to but we'll hang on to them maybe and see if we can include next week and I know a few pictures and stuff come in there just towards the tail end so I just didn't get them in time but uh, next week is another week and we'll be here again then. That's it for me. Uh, Michael Neary is coming your way next to Course Country Classics here on Midwest Radio right through until 1 o'clock this Saturday afternoon. Afternoon. Until next Saturday from me, have yourselves a great weekend.